Here's the set list for the tour. These are uh, the questions, the topics. Now, I have clips posted on BillOReilly.com. If you are a premium or concierge member, you get to see a lot more. But if you're just somebody who's watching me on the first TV, listening to me on WABC Radio or all our other outlets, you can go there. We have some clips for you. Uh, but the major clips are shown to our premium members. Um, but anyway, I'm going to give you uh, the topics that we discussed. And I'm going to run in some sound from Donald Trump right now. All right, so the first topic was Putin. How dangerous is he? And I asked President Trump to assess him uh, on whether he's willing to start a conflict in Europe with Ukraine. Then we went to Xi. How dangerous is he? Is he going to invade Taiwan? All right. Third topic was, should China be punished for COVID? And Donald Trump said China should pay reparations to the USA and every other country. And that made some news. So he had never said that before. How did the vaccine get developed so quickly? It was a nine-month process. And did Trump get sabotaged by the CEO of Pfizer? So that was fascinating how he got it up and running because he made deals, individual deals. And remember, no other country in the world has a vaccine, even now. Just us. Um, Then uh, were you surprised Afghanistan collapsed so fast? And what was your role in that? And then... Were you surprised that President Biden opened the border his first day in office? Come on in. Did that surprise you? All right. So these were all asked to Donald Trump. And then we got into January 6th, which I think was the most important part of the history program in both Fort Lauderdale and Orlando. So I asked him, look, you are being accused of instigating the attack on the Capitol by a House committee, you're being accused of doing that. What say you? Roll the tape. One other thing that nobody knows, I knew how large this was going to be because everyone I knew was saying, oh, we're going to be there in the six. We're going to be there no matter where you went. I said, I think this is going to be really big. And I asked the Secretary of Defense, I said, I think you should recommend to Nancy Pelosi and to Congress because they're the ones that control it. I would like to recommend 10,000 National Guardsmen to go and to police here, just in case. I didn't do it as an order. I did it as a suggestion. Because remember, they run the police. Uh, Pelosi, Pelosi and Schumer run that whole so operation. So, so a lot of people don't know this. They don't like to report it. All right. So we immediately checked that out. Did Donald Trump a day before, on January 5th, tell his Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, to request 10,000 guardsmen to protect the Capitol and other government offices. So here's what we found from Miller on a sworn testimony. Put it up on a screen. Quote, on the afternoon of January 5th, I received a call from the president in connection with a rally by his supporters that day at Freedom Plaza. The president asked if I was watching the event on television. I replied I'd seen the coverage of the event. He then commented that they were going to need 10,000 troops the following day, unquote. So that call was made, all right, to then Secretary of Defense uh, Christopher Miller. Now, whether it got to Pelosi and Pelosi turned it down, I can't confirm that. But that's what Donald Trump says happened. But there's no doubt 
that he did want the guard in there one day before the attack on the Capitol. And that undercuts the entire premise that Donald Trump instigated the Capitol attack. So I thought that was pretty important. Okay. Now, I asked him a number of other questions about assessing people, individuals. And I said, look, I don't want a hatchet job here, but you know these people. And I need to know how you feel about them. And one of the names was Barack Obama. I spent a long time with him, as you know, in the ceremonial, like, let's get together very early on. And I mean, what I did learn, and I liked him, I got along well with him, I got along well with Michelle Obama. Now that, you know, the crowd was a little quiet there. I thought that was interesting. Um, And this was the most interesting thing that happened. So in Orlando, I, uh, I try to, you know, all the shows are different. All right. So we, the Lauderdale show, that was a set list I gave you. And I, I mixed it up a little in Orlando and in Houston and Dallas next weekend. I'll bring in new things and we'll do it differently because I want to, you know, keep it fresh. So I asked uh, President Trump, if you are reelected, and there's no doubt he's running again, unless something happens, you know, that's nobody foresees. He will run again. Um, if you're reelected, will you order the Justice Department to investigate Hunter and Joe Biden? Roll the tape. I don't want to hurt a family. I- I'll be honest. Look, look, we've got a president. We've got a president. No, we've got to be fair. We've got a president. There's. <laughs> They're very angry at this family, aren't they? Look, I can say this. What they've done to my family is a disgrace, okay? What they've done to my family. And people want that to happen. It's almost a question that I get more than anything, because you know it's so corrupt. And again, it's being looked at right now. It's a shame that it has to be looked at. Millions of dollars came out of China. Millions of dollars came out of Ukraine. Millions of dollars came out of Russia. These are all places that we're dealing with now. Now, because Donald Trump did not say, yes, he would investigate Hunter and Joe Biden in their financial transactions with foreign nations, that crowd in Orlando, (laughs) they voiced their displeasure. And, And that took the president by surprise. And me too, I have to be honest, I, because it was, it was loud. I mean, you only heard a little of it, but boy, the whole place shook. Um, interesting. Um, I learned um, a lot I didn't know, but one thing very important. You remember in the first impeachment was because President Trump called Ukraine, Ukrainian President Zelensky and talked about Hunter Biden. And he said, if you have, Mr. Zelensky, any information about Hunter Biden and corrupt dealings, please let us know. For that, he was impeached. Donald Trump was impeached. Okay, but I did not know until the president told me that there is a treaty right now, and it was uh, signed by Bill Clinton in 1998, called the United States of America and Ukraine on Mutual Legal Assistance in Criminal Matters. I'll repeat it. A treaty between the United States of America and Ukraine on mutual legal assistance in criminal matters. And that treaty says 
that if there's questions about any dealings by either country, Ukraine or the United States, they have a right to the information. Now, why I didn't hear that or nobody reported that or the congressional uh, hearings on impeachment didn't mention that, stunning. Because that was the basis for the first impeachment. And the second impeachment, the basis was Donald Trump incited the, uh, the riot. So you can see how this history tour is really narrowing into very, very important items. All right, joining us now from Austin, Texas, is a guy I've known for decades, a presidential historian, Douglas Brinkley, author of many, many fine books, the latest being American Moonshot, John F. Kennedy and the Great Space Race. Makes an excellent Christmas gift. All right, based on what I've said so far, uh, Doug, um, what's your impression of the Trump history tour? Well, you know, Bill, it's fascinating because most presidents get out and uh, out of office and try to quickly do a memoir. Uh, I, I noticed that President Trump um, has a book out about more of a kind of photo type of book, but you're really developing a transcript, an oral history um, of Trump. And it's it, his subduedness, um, I find fascinating in the sense that I think he put up his main defense on January 6th with you, which is that he did request um, from the Secretary of Defense and to Pelosi um, that there would be more troops surrounding the Capitol. And I think that's um, important to follow that path because that will be Donald Trump's defense uh, in front of the Congressional Commission. Um, and second, when he said nice things about Barack Obama and, and was pretty calm about the Biden family, it showed me, if, if you're correct, and I believe you are, that he's going to be running for president, all things considered, in 2024. He did, I mean, in 2026, he did seem to, um, you know, want to show himself as moving a little bit more towards center-right not hard right. Uh, you know, when he's campaigning, he really goes after people, but I think he's taking this exercise with you seriously as creating a more sober-minded, less euphoric or, um, you know, type of, um, you know, memory for people. And it, it, it's a strategic move, he's, the way he's playing this right now. Well, and I did have extensive conversations. I, I'll, I'll tell you again that I did not tell President Trump, uh, any of the questions? I never do that. I'm a journalist. Journalists don't do that. Okay. But I did say that this is very serious because we have four cameras recording everything. We are getting transcripts and the only two people in the transcripts will have them in the world is me and him. They're not going out to the press, they're not going anywhere. I said, if you want to establish a baseline of your presidency, here is where you can do it and in front of 12,000 witnesses, okay? So I think the audience was a little stunned. As I said, some of them thought it was gonna be some rally and we were gonna go sing country music songs. No, um, but I must compliment the 45th president of the United States. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't tell me anything that wasn't untrue and believe me, we checked. So we checked Christopher Miller. And everything that he said, we checked, all right, because that's who we are. And so I think the importance of this is vast. 
And then the success of it, Doug, shows the country how much the press hates Donald Trump and that hatred's going to grow. And even when he has a success like these shows, I mean, more than 30,000 tickets sold in the middle of a pandemic. Who can you know, do Bill, that? It reminds me of uh, when Theodore Roosevelt, who was the last president who was sitting president and then decided to run again as ex-president. We talked about Grover Cleveland doing that in the 19th century, but Theodore Roosevelt did it in the 20th. The difference is Donald Trump is not going to run a third party like TR did with the bull moose. He's, he's pulling together the GOP. And I think Lindsey Graham early on um, had warned him um, earlier this year that you don't need to go far right anymore. They love you. Um, you can tact a little bit towards the center. And I felt that that was a baseline that he was making with you. And I think your word baseline's the perfect word. I felt that he's really starting to leave tracks on almost like doing a memoir with you, uh, which is going to have great historic value. And these will get out. Uh, you and President Trump might own the transcripts, but they'll leak out somewhere, somehow, somebody in a crowd that big will have them. And so he has to err on the side, I would think, of caution when he's dealing with anything that might have legal implications. But he was trying to come up as a good guy with you with the way I think he answered that Obama question. Um, he's known for the birther bit with Obama. And here he's saying, I like them both. And that will play well for more, more center um, conservatives, but not, not the hard right. Well, look, I, when he asked me about running, I said to him, and, and as I said many times, Doug, presidents from Bill Clinton on have asked me my opinion on certain things. And as an American, I'm, if a president asks me an opinion, I, I'm, I'm going to give him the opinion. All right. So I said, look, if you're going to run again, if you really want to do that, because you know they're going to put you through hell. I mean, as I said, the president's going to hate him more if possible. I, I don't know if that's possible, but they are. Okay, you got to run on your record. You got to run on your record. You can't run on draining the swamp or the election was a fraud or, or any of that. You got to run on what you did foreign affairs. Okay, what you did on the border, what you did in economics, how you contained inflation. And I said, that's what this is all about. I did ask him about the economy, not a lot because the economy is kind of a ponderous thing and people understand. But you know what? He didn't take a lot of cheap shots on Biden. He a few, a few. All right. That because I asked him flat out, I said, do you think he's a diminished man? Do you think he knows what he's doing in there? And Trump could have wailed on that. He said, President Trump said, I think other people are advising him and he's he's doing what they tell him to do. And by the way, do you think that as a presidential historian about Joe Biden? Yeah, Biden's had a very rough year. And I could have I, I would have thought that Trump on these rallies would have just been punching away at Biden, uh, making inflation the big issue, talking about the uh, failure in Afghanistan, um, the problems with vaccination dissemination. Um, but instead, he again is, is taking a little different tact. I'd be curious to ask you, Bill, on COVID, I mean, does he seem to be proud of Operation Warp Speed? Yes. Is that something he's going to run on? Uh, that I don't know about. Actually... I don't know if he'll run on it. He, I think he's going to run more on China owes us and everybody else money. He was hard on that reparations thing, which he had never said before. 
But what he did say in the area that I got into is Donald Trump's a deal maker. That's how he 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 conducted his whole presidency, making individual deals. Well, he hauled in those pharmaceutical companies and he said, if you can do this, I'll pay you this amount of money. All right. The government will pay you billions and billions of dollars if you can do it. That's how it got done. Because they went back and said, whoa, we're going to get all this money. So we full court press it. And I he what he wasn't so going, I did it. I did it. I did it like he usually does. All right. Donald Trump does, does that a lot. He didn't do that this time. He just said we made him a deal as maybe the Godfather once said they couldn't refuse. And it worked. Would you, Bill, consider bringing these out in a book form with with President Trump? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just trying to get through the next two shows. Yeah. So, you know. And, you know, he's going to be judged by crowd size. Uh, that's going to be the media story is how large are the crowds. And your feeling is they couldn't be bigger. Well, is I mean, if you, if you do four shows and you've sold already 30,000 tickets with a, probably another four or 5,000 to come, you do the math. You do the math. Nobody can do that. No one. Yeah, I think I think most ex-presidents people judge how much advance money they get for their memoir, how much did Barack Obama get paid, or how sure, much. Sure, and, and if Trump money. wanted Trump's uh, the book you mentioned in Trump, has sold two hundred thousand copies at seventy-five bucks a pop, and they ran out of books. So I don't. But I'm not even involved with that, and I can't yeah. tell anybody how much President Trump's getting paid. It's my production company, as I mentioned, that's putting this on. But I'll tell you what. There's nobody in the world that could command the kind of money that he's making and the audience that has already purchased the tickets. Yet, if you read on the Internet, you would think that this is a bomb. There's nobody there. Uh, and, and that brings me to my last question for you. This has changed. This is a game changer, Doug. When you can lie about the president of the United States with impunity, you can say whatever you want to say. No matter how unfair and inaccurate it is, then where do we go from there? What's the antidote to that? Antidote. Well, I think, what, what, I think what's so, the antidote to that? Well, I think it's um, you're it's just showing clips like you're doing and showing the enthusiasm. Uh, you know, people are always on whatever your future performances are. I know you're going to Houston and Dallas. Everybody's looking for Trump to say a blunder, something that's going to be destructive to his career in the media world. Uh, in many ways, if he can come out of all this unscathed, I think he will be advanced. I had one quick question. Is there any possibility, Bill, in the scenario of him becoming Speaker of the House, as some have intimated? If, none. If you think that's just none? None. So... Um, okay. What the Trump apparatus is now is fundraising for the next run. That's the entire how apparatus. Media, how is he, Trump's media organization going to play into that? Can Listen, he I did, that? I'm not involved with his campaign at all. Um, I had to deal with them as far as uh, marketing these shows. So I don't know. I can't answer that question. What I can say with certainty is that he wants to be president again. He believes that he has enough votes to win, particularly because President Biden is doing so poorly 
and he doesn't believe President Biden has the capacity to come back. You know, with inflation the way it is now in November, 8.3 percent, Doug. Now we're talking a pain level. So it yeah. may be too early for the Republican Party. You know, we'll see next uh, midterms. But Trump really believes that he can do it. And that's where 100 percent of his energy is focused. And he seemed very calm and collected. Did that surprise you that that, that his demeanor was? Well, I um, told him if he wasn't calm and collected, that I would have to hang around with him more. And he didn't want that. <laughs> All right. So that was an incentive. And I was the whip guy. I was the one that told the people who, you know, sort of yell and knock it off. OK, so he didn't have to do any of that. I was the bouncer. Anyway, Doug, look, I, I hope you get to see the Houston show. Uh, if you do get to see it, I'd like you to come back maybe next week and we'll talk about it. Uh, and thank you very much for uh, your comments today. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. So I get a lot of mail about TV. All right. Now, I have weaned myself off most television because it's just moronic. I don't want to see the mass singer all right, or dancing with felons. I, I, I just don't. I watch Blue Bloods Friday night. Excellent show. I try to watch 60 Minutes, which I've watched my whole life. I, I can't get through it anymore. Very slow now. And that's it. Sports. You know, the game on, I want to see, I'll watch it. But I'm not engaged much in television anymore. I've got to read an enormous amount to stay as smart as I am. I mean, you know, right? So anyway, I'm getting mail about TV commercials, which I never watch. As soon as the commercial goes on, it's muted. And it says, look, what happened? What happened? Um, now every TV commercial is woke. And yeah, it's happening. Roll the tape. Hey, Gracie. You know how our family has daddy and mommy? Yeah, that's right. Pretty soon, you're going to have a baby brother. And a puppy. Deal. Okay, apparently that's a commercial for Cheerios. 
I don't know if the puppy's going to eat Cheerios. My terror dog won't. Um, but, I, you know, I watch that. It doesn't bother me. But it apparently bothers a lot of people that this is what is being put forth. So we asked uh, Adam Goulet. Uh, he is the Accuracy in Media, uh, conservative news media watchdog. Wow. He works for them. And he comes to us from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Very nice. Watch out for the sharks down there, Adam. You know, you get a little nip. Those bull sharks, they're all, they like Ponte Vedra. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to be careful down there. Anyway, so have you heard anything? Is there a groundswell of why is this woke commercials? Why are they doing this? Have you heard anything about that? You know, it's almost kind of a two-part scheme that they've been doing for years now. All of the content coming out of Hollywood is increasingly geared towards young people. It has to be safe for young people. We have to make sure that if the kid's in the room, they're not going to be offended by seeing it. But the real downside of that, aside from the fact that these kids end up being coddled, they end up being soft, the real downside of that is the kids are the most woke. So if we're going to make content that's geared forward towards the teenagers or the young people in this world, we're going to get the most woke content possible. Rather than individualism, they celebrate victimization. It's, it's outrageous. But, uh, you know, a company like Cheerios, um, you know, you have to even look hard to figure out what, you know, they don't even say, hey. I want a puppy and Cheerios. That might be better. But a company like that, do you feel that that company is under social pressure and they want a virtue signal? Is that part of it? All of corporate America is under social pressure. It's undeniable at this point. And they're terrified of the woke crowd. Even though they realize, you know, the phrase go woke, go broke is true. They are cowering in fear from the woke crowd. You see these companies like, you know, Nike, that has their shoes built in communist China where Uyghur Muslims are enslaved and they stand up to Atlanta. They don't wanna you know, have the World Series there, but they'll never stand up to the Chinese. You see all of corporate America hiring equity officers to push their radical progressive ideas within their company. American Express is spending a billion dollars pushing equity within the company. Give it five years, they're gonna be anti-American Express. It's one thing to see progressivism in Hollywood or to see it in higher education. We're now seeing it in all of corporate America. Now, I wonder if it's a good sales vehicle. You know, State Farm Insurance has got this guy. He's in every commercial, African-American guy, good actor, certainly pulls it off. But I wonder if that translates into higher sales. Has anybody studied, say, five years ago uh, and when commercials were just commercials, they weren't woke and now they are woke? Is, is it a more effective tool for commerce? Well, unquestionably, we know the phrase go woke, go broke ain't based on, based on nothing. Consistently, we've seen Hollywood films made in a woke style. They fail. They rebooted Ghostbusters to appease the woke crowd. That failed. They do a non-woke version. It succeeds. What a surprise. The woke stuff consistently fails. But these folks are so terrified of the woke crowd in corporate America and in Hollywood. And it feels good to be praised by that woke crowd that even though they know it's going to probably crush them with corp with actual profits, even though they know it'll crush their movie, they do it because they're more terrified than the woke crowd right, than so they your, are going bankrupt. Your hypothesis is that the woke commercials aren't helping the bottom line in, in these corporations. No, no, unquestionably not. I'd like to see a study on it. Now, I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild after union. And um, that's where all of the actors in the commercials come from. 
You got to be in that union. And five years ago, it was primarily Caucasian white actors getting the roles. Um, and now it's not. Now it's minorities and women getting the commercials. Now that's upset some people inside the union, but not me. I, you know, I say to people, look, for decades, white actors benefited because they were white. And the uh, corporations didn't want to stir up anything. So now it's, you know, it's a good opportunity for actors of color to prosper. That's my point of view. Am I wrong? My point of view is let's hire, if I'm running a company or if I got an ad agency, I'm going to cast whoever's going to move the most product. My goal should be to move product and boost profit, uh, bottom lines, whether the character yeah, or the actor know, is black or white or any of that. It's not, it's not uh, the godfather. I mean, it's a commercial. It's a 30-second spot. Anybody could do it. So it's hard to say merit when you're casting a commercial. I mean, it's really hard to do. I want to get your opinion before I let you go on uh, CNN. You, you're covering the story. You're following it. And uh, what's your assessment? Well, we parked at Accuracy in Media. We parked a mobile billboard outside their uh, outside CNN's office over the summer. Cuomo lied, thousands died, revoke his Emmy now. We went after them over the Chris Cuomo mess. It is an absolute disaster. And now Chris Cuomo claims that Zucker knew that he was helping Andrew Cuomo all along. It's unbelievable. These folks are activists pretending to be journalists. It's one thing for them to tell their left-wing audience what they want to hear, but to cover up stuff like this and to call yourselves actual journalists is just sickening and embarrassing. They should be ashamed of themselves. So does CNN go out of business? There's a rumor they're going to get sold to a guy named John Malone. I don't know what he would do, but AT&T seems you know, to be impotent to stop any of the chaos over there. What happens to CNN, say, a year from now? They're an incredibly difficult situation because they're flanked on the left by MSNBC. If you're a hard left viewer, you're probably watching MSNBC. And if you're not a hard left viewer, you're probably watching a network like this or Fox or OAN or Newsmax. So there's so little left in the middle these days when really Americans are on one side or the other. There's so little left in the middle that there's nowhere for CNN to go. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I don't think there's a good situation for them. I think they'll exist, but never again as a force in this country. Adam, thanks very much for helping us out. We really appreciate it. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. 
I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. So I got a lot of mail saying, look, I'm fed up. I want to move out of the USA. I don't advise that, by the way. Unless you have people and established ties, living in another country, not easy. But there's a study from Expat Insider, which I never heard of. And they quizzed 12,000 expats. When you're an expat, means expatriate. You leave the country, live someplace else. Expat. And they got the five places where Americans are happiest. So they base this on quality of life, ease of settling in, working abroad, personal finance. You ready for the countries? All right. Here they are. Number one. Malaysia, and specifically the capital, Kuala Lumpur. 85% of American expats are happy over there. Wow. Now, I have been to Malaysia. It's hot. A lot of Muslims, some of them dangerous, a lot of strife. Malaysia, third world, but it's very inexpensive. So you can have a nice little house on the beach. You can have a cook. You can have a maid. You can have a driver. It doesn't cost a lot. Would I live in Malaysia? No way. No way. Second, Spain, specifically Malaga, Spain, on the Costa de Sol. Spend some time in Malaga. Nice town. It's like Miami. Okay, big high rises, nice beach. Not that expensive, but for Spain it is. But, you know, you can do okay there. 86% of American expats happy in Malaga, Spain. It's a nice environment. It gets hot, but the Mediterranean is right there. Three, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. 72% are happy there, Dubai. So I've been there. But I've been to Kuwait, which is just up the road, and it's hot <laughs> all the time. Hot. But Dubai is like a theme park. Now, Kuwait, you don't want to go to. But Dubai has got all these giant malls and very wealthy. The government there controls everything. It's safe. Whatever you want in the world, you want a little caviar, there it is, whatever you want. And uh, a lot of Americans heading over to Dubai. Number four, Sydney, Australia. Now, this was before the COVID lockdown. So, Sydney, a good town, very similar to America. Um, all the conveniences, people have the same mentality, capitalism. 
But now the government of Australia is telling you you can't get out of the house if you do this, that, and the other thing. COVID has really changed over there. But if you're interested in Australia, not an easy place to get to, by the way. You got to buy your way in there. Um, they don't want a lot of foreigners, even if you're Americans. But Sydney, um, you're going to have a nice life in Sydney. And finally, Singapore. 79% happy with life in Singapore. So I spent considerable amount of time there. It's a fascist dictatorship. No crime. Everything runs. Everything works. Hot. <laughs> Again, all these places are hot. Sydney, not quite like Singapore. But if you are into finance and the finer things in life, Singapore, everybody speaks English. You know, everybody speaks English except in Malaysia and Spain. In uh, Dubai, everybody speaks English. So those are the five. The five worst for expats where they don't like it. Rome, unbelievably expensive. Milan, no reason to go there. Johannesburg, dangerous all day long. Istanbul, exotic but dangerous. And Tokyo, chaos. I've been to all of those cities. I would never, ever live in any of them. I visit, but not live in them. So if you're thinking about leaving the good old USA, you got to go there first for a month or two before you make any decision. You got to get a taste of it. But it would take a lot for me to leave this, this country. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code PODCAST. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code PODCAST. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ARKSeedKits.com. 
All right. So there's a new poll out. Uh, it asked Democrats and Republicans who they want to run in 2024. Um, as far as Republicans are concerned, they want Donald Trump to run. 69% would support Donald Trump taking another shot at the presidency. Democrats, just 60%. That's a low number. Would support Joe Biden uh, running for re-election, which Mr. Biden says he wants to do. Um, the Biden administration is in trouble. I mean, everybody knows that. And that's why you're seeing kind of a very slow emergence of Hillary Clinton, who says, well, you know, probably uh, Biden and Harris are not going to be able to get the nomination. So I'm going to be around and keep your eye on that. Um, the big story this week is the incredible inflation, which will doom the Democratic Party and Joe Biden next November. Um, and I don't see it reversing. Economists don't see it reversing. It might go down a little bit. I hope it does. Uh, but now it's at our fastest pace ever. We're hovering around, you know, 10 percent. Prices are up everywhere. If you go to a restaurant, I did last night, new menu. And a new menu, the prices are, you know, significantly higher. Now, you don't have to go to restaurants, but you do have to eat. And you go to the grocery store and the prices are everything are higher. Okay, so this is a direct painful infliction of bad politics, bad policy. And people know it. Okay, but apparently um, what the people know, the evening news doesn't know. This is an incredible situation. There's no doubt that inflation is the most important political story right now in the United States of America. Well, after the news broke yesterday that the inflation rate is rising faster than ever before in the history of the country, CBS, ABC and NBC all ignored the story on their nightly news presentations. They ignored it. Nora O'Donnell, David Muell, Lester Holt couldn't, couldn't summon up 30 seconds to tell you about it. It's just, I don't even have the words anymore. Because when you ignore the most important story of the week, you ignore it. Then there's active corruption before your eyes. So they're covering for the Biden administration. The three most powerful networks in the world, ABC, NBC, and CBS, absolutely covering for President Biden. They don't want to report anything. They're blacking it out. I've never seen it before in my lifetime. But you need to know what's happening, which is why you're here watching me on the No Spin News, listening to me on WABC radio and watching me on the first TV. OK, I mean, that's why you're here, because, you know, you're getting hosed by the others. You know, the game now is to uh, black out, as we're seeing, news that might hurt the progressive left. Yes, the Biden administration is center, you know, for the networks. But the progressive left really controls the Internet and social media. These are the real uber leftists. I use that word uber too many times today. But these are the people that are really bent in destroying traditional America. So they fear me. Most of all, you know, I'm up there. They feared Limbaugh. Okay, they fear me. Uh, they fear some people on Fox News. And they will do anything, all right, to A, destroy and B, black out. 
blackout. Now, I don't go out seeking uh, other media opportunities. I'll do it if I think I'm going to get a fair play. And again, Dan Abrams did that. So we were very pleased that he was a fair guy. I don't mind being challenged. Okay. But I knew as soon as I did that, that the far left would, would take that and, and propagandize. And that's exactly what happened. But for you, the American citizen, the loyal, good, honest citizen, in order to prosper in this country, you need information. That is valid information. Look at how many people voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like Trump. I mean, that's the only reason Biden won. And because he won, look at the state of the country now. Look at it. It's terrible. Biden is the worst president in history for one year. He's worse than James Buchanan and Herbert Hoover. The worst. And the reason he got elected was because Trump was demonized. Now, Trump didn't help himself by being bombastic. He didn't. You got to be honest about it. He did not help himself. But the only reason Biden's sitting in the Oval Office today is because they lied about Trump. They lied about Russia. They lied and lied and lied and lied. And it is continuing. We will fight it here. And that's why we appreciate so much you watching. We'll see you tomorrow.